Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with another episode of The Yacking Show. This is the show that aims you aims to bring you more actionable business tips and ideas than practically any other single place on the internet. And we do that by having really interesting and good guests on the show. Today is no exception, but first, let's introduce co-host Kathleen from Waterloo, Ontario. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in. And I, as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. We're very excited to welcome Ralph Velasco, who founded and operates tour companies. He is a travel photographer, a tour leader, and public speaker, and a published author. Can't wait to delve into this topic. Today, he'll be talking to us about building and managing businesses in the travel industry. Welcome, Ralph. How are you today? Hey there, I'm great. Thanks for having me. And we should mention that you are uh, coming to us from Colombia. Is that right? That's right. I'm in Cali, Colombia right now. Just finished up a tour with the group. Oh, wonderful. So before we delve into this topic, can you give us a little bit about your background and what started first, your love of travel or photography? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, I Probably uh, photography first, but uh, I started traveling from a very young age and was uh, very fortunate. My parents were very open to me traveling uh, by myself or with small groups from high school. Uh, When I was 15, I studied in Spain for a summer. Uh, The next year, I was a volunteer in Peru. The next year, I volunteered in Venezuela, right next door here in Colombia. Uh, And the next year, I studied in Mexico City. So from a young age, I've been traveling uh, on my own or with small groups. And uh, so I'd always had an interest in photography. And my father was into photography. And he was very good, but uh, an amateur because he ran uh, uh, four restaurants. So that he was super busy with that. But he sort of uh, instilled the love of photography in me and um and of course uh even back then many many moons ago i was uh bringing a camera along and now they're more ubiquitous than ever with these uh, smartphones in our pockets <laughs> absolutely wow that, that's quite amazing eh? but <clears throat> what was the background to creating two distinctly different travel operations mm-hmm. we looked at your both your websites you have two different ones yeah, I started out uh, with Photo Enrichment Adventures, and I did that, uh, and I still do it. Um, mm-hmm. That's still a travel brand that I have. But about uh, four years ago, kind of right before the pandemic, uh, some of my clients started telling me that they were looking for perhaps shorter trips, uh, a little bit closer to home, meaning Europe. Most of my clients are in North America. And... Uh, less moving around. Um, Mm -hmm. So that suited me just fine. So I created the a la Campania experiences brand in uh, answer to that. And what that is and and how it's different than photo enrichment adventures are that these are trips where we spend seven, eight, maybe nine or 10 days in one location, maybe two. And so there's a lot less packing, unpacking, Mm -hmm moving around a whole country or region and long trips in between locations. 
And so that was designed to minimize that and do a deeper dive into uh, one or two places rather than seeing many places and just touching on them. Right. So that right. was the whole idea behind that. And uh, the name Ala Campania Experiences came, uh, Ala Campania means to the countryside. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my mother's maiden name is Campania. And it means countryside, of course, mm -hmm. uh, now that I've mentioned that. And so uh, it was a bit of an homage to her, but also it's because these trips are typically take place in, uh, let's say, a private 11th century castle in the Dordogne region of France or a private agriturismo in Puglia, Italy, which is the heel, or uh, we stay at uh, wine estates or former villas and family mansions and things like that. So the property itself is a destination. And right. I know that, yeah. And we, uh, sometimes we can't wait to leave the hotel or we feel guilty staying in the hotel when we're traveling. But what if it's an 11th century castle that is like a museum inside and has a swimming pool and 270 acres of grounds to walk and lovely gardens uh, you may not be so quick to want to leave that kind of a location. Oh, I'm sure you wouldn't. I'm sure you wouldn't. I, the show's not about me, but I've got to tell you that uh, in 2019, I did the Camino de Santiago from Porto in Portugal, and my first night on the pilgrimage was in a in a 10th century monastery that has been, it's no longer a functioning monastery, been converted to uh, an albergue, a hospital, a uh, hostel, should I say, for pilgrims. And uh, I had that same feeling. There was an old vineyard there, and I went, wow. This is so different to a commercial hotel. Anyway, that's uh, not about me, but I know what you're talking about. So that's that's good. Kathleen. So, Ralph, building a business is no easy task. Tell us how you were able to set up multiple businesses, creating marketing plans for these, and then turn them into profitable ventures. Well, the... Uh... I, I'd written many, many business plans in my life, uh, especially when I, I got my master's in international business in Mexico City um, when I was about, I don't know, 29, 30. And uh, so I, I figured what better place to get a master's in international business than to mm -hmm. be international. And so I found a school in Mexico City that uh, apparently at the time was the only American accredited school in all of Latin America. So wow. I studied there. And so I, over the years, I went to business school, Indiana University Business School. So uh, I've always had a business background and always it had written many, many business plans. But to be honest, I, um, I kind of slowly moved into this business. Uh, I The last thing I was doing before it um, was really I from 2001 to 2005, I had uh, my second restaurant. I grew up in the restaurant industry, third generation restaurateur. And I took a notepad and I, I was coming up to the end of my three-year initial lease. I had to decide if I was going to sign for another five years. And I wasn't uh, enjoying it. So I said, you know, I'm going to sell this business. And I wrote on the the left side of the page, what I disliked about being a restaurant owner. And it was mainly the fact that I had a $5,000 a month rent. Uh, you know, I had to be in one place uh, during business hours. Uh, I had employees. I was selling something that people consumed and could potentially make them sick. 
So um, I came home smelling like a French fry every night. So I said, uh, what's the opposite of that? Well, I want to no employees. I want to run my own business from anywhere in the world. Uh, digital photography was just coming to be in the early 2000s. Uh, and so I said, yeah, I bet people would pay me to help them learn these new digital devices, these digital cameras, which at the time was, uh, you know, I had a one megapixel uh, camera at the time yeah. and most did. But now we all have these uh, multi, multi megapixel cameras in our pockets all the time. And so I'm actually uh, teaching more about uh, smartphone photography than the, the big cameras that we used to carry around. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned you, you were looking for a business with no employees, but You've got two separate businesses now, maybe more, the two major ones that I know of, and you're speaking just from Colombia. So how do you operate the rest of the business and the other businesses when you're away from your base so much of the time? Yeah, I, I have no employees now. I, I do everything myself. Uh, wow. So it's, it is a lot of work, especially when I'm on a trip with a group. Mm -hmm. I might be able to get 10% of my work done that I would normally do in between trips. Because of course I'm, you know, managing the trip itself and sure. uh, with my clients, teaching them what I, you know, and so um, it's it's kind of difficult because everything seems to pile up in between those trips. And typically, when there's not a pandemic, mm -hmm. I was doing ten or twelve trips a year, and so that's a lot of wow. time on the road. Uh, I've I mentioned uh, shortening the trip. So many of those trips are two, mm -hmm. week long, two weeks long because we're not going to go to India, Cambodia, Vietnam for you know a week. No. So those tend to be longer trips. So uh, that's where sort of the uh, a la campagna experiences came in. And I think over time, I'll eventually move to just a la campagna type experiences and slowly phase out the, the uh, photo enrichment trips. And um, my my plan is to move to Europe in the next probably two to three years. Mm. And then all those trips are based around the Mediterranean. And so I'll be okay. in the heart of those trips instead of flying all around the world, getting from one trip to the other. Where in Europe? Right. In Europe, I'd like to move probably, the, I speak Spanish, so it makes most sense to move to Spain. So I'm mm. thinking of Southeastern Spain or uh, potentially Portugal or uh, Sicily. Uh, my my roots are mm. in Sicily as well. Wow, wow, wow. That's very good. So I got a follow-up to, to what you've just been talking about. Is the nature of tourism changing, or is there more interest in these more in-depth, concentrated um, visits, tours in, in one locality, rather than, as you said earlier, just sort of touching briefly on a whole lot of different ones? Well, I like to think that uh, I was a little bit ahead of the game with the a la campagna mm. experience types trips, especially before the pandemic, because, of course, I didn't know the pandemic was coming, no. but they uh, seem to be perfect for a pandemic, a post-pandemic world mm -hmm. where we're not spending eight hours getting from uh, Fez to Marrakesh in Morocco and uh, sitting in a bus uh, with other people, potentially strangers, and um, less, uh, more outdoor activities. Uh, so, so again, less packing and unpacking, 
And so that was the idea. And so it, they really, I think, are perfectly situated for a post-pandemic world. And plus, mm -hmm. as I think I mentioned, uh, these are more uh, it's a la campagna to the to the countryside. Sure, sure. So we're not. Uh, I'm not including a big capital cities on these trips. So if people want to add, you know, a couple days in Rome before the Puglia trip or, or after Paris, after the Dordogne trip, uh, that's great, but they can do those on their own. But we as sure. a group are not, uh, we're of course mostly flying in and out of these capital cities, but we go right to the property where we're staying and it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of experience that I think is perfect for a post-pandemic world. Yeah, and, no, I think you're right. And once you've flown into your destination, do you then shuttle the the group around, or do you hike? Is it is there is there a lot of walking and a lot of hiking involved just to see the countryside? Well, you know, there's a fair amount of of walking, mm -hmm. uh, so uh, people should be good walkers on my trips. But uh, we will typically pick people up at the airport on arrival. I just tell people when to be at the airport, or like I say, uh, say April 29th before 3 p.m., try to arrange your flight. Then we get people to the hotel, and then the trip sort of starts that, and we handle everything until we drop you off at the airport at the end. There are some trips that have a little bit of a variation of that, but uh, for the most part, that's true. And then if there is any moving between locations, typically it'll be in something like a a Mercedes Sprinter van or something like that, like a 20 person mm -hmm. van for uh, up to 10 people. Mm -hmm. So my groups are anywhere from four, but mostly six to 10 people. So they're very small groups. And uh, so, which makes, which allows us to get into smaller properties, more local sure. restaurants uh, where, you know, so we, we don't have to, uh, go go into big hotels or have big buses or go to restaurants that can fit 300 people. Right. So uh, that gives a much more local type experience, which is what mm -hmm. I'm interested in. And my clients are as well as just the, uh, I've got over a 50% repeat rate on my trips. Mm. Uh, nine out of 10 people on this last trip were all veteran uh, clients. And so they, wow. uh, wow. I've got one that's traveled with me over 25 times, some that are 16, 17 times. Wow. Uh, yeah, a lot, five, six, seven times. So well, how I did think they find you to begin that. with, Ralph? How did they, how do you market yourself out there? How do, how do you get people to, to know that you even exist and that this is what you offer? Is it yeah, word, of mouth, word of mouth? I, yeah, it's become a lot of word of mouth, but mm -hmm. I also do a lot of public speaking. Oh. I speak at the uh, travel and adventure shows throughout the U.S. I've spoken internationally, um, Jerusalem, Ireland, Spain, um, some other locations, uh, Egypt. Wow. And so uh, anything I early on, especially anything I could do to get in front of people that were interested in photography and travel, because the photo enrichment trips are a little bit more about photography, but don't let that scare anyone who's not interested in photography. I get a lot of non-photographers that come on my trips. These are not photo workshops where it's 12 hours a day photography, right. every sunrise, sunset. You have to have a certain kind of camera. My trips have never been about that. So I might get 
you know, maybe uh, one person is interested in photography and the spouse, not necessarily, mm -hmm. but who doesn't <laughs> want to be in great lights before the tourist crowds, before the heat of the day um, and, you know, learn to see. Uh, because that's the basis of all photography. And so I, I always say that my mother taught me the best skill I could ever have as a photographer, and she's never picked up a camera in her life. Really? And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and that was just to be curious. And so yeah. I think learning to see is extremely important. Right. Absolutely. So, so what is the background to the Continental Drifter YouTube channel? Yeah, so that was something uh, I'd been wanting to do for a long time is start a YouTube channel. I'd been collecting video for many, many years, not knowing exactly what I was going to do with it. But when you're on the road as much as I am and certainly was before the pandemic, now it's starting to build up again to that. Although during the pandemic, I was on the road five or six months internationally uh, each year, but uh, not necessarily with groups. I was scouting and things like that. But um, the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot what the, what was the just initial the, question was. The, just the background behind. Uh, oh, the, the Continental the, Drifter, sure. Yeah, so okay. I've been collecting this video for many, many years. And so I always wanted to start a channel, but I never had the time. Mm -hmm. And so the pandemic was actually the perfect time to uh, focus oh, yeah. on that and be able to create a channel and um, because as I'm sure you know and some of your listeners that it's a lot of work to to manage a YouTube channel and to come up with a video every week and all the editing and uh, the video and all the, the writing scripts and things like that so I finally uh, had the time to do that and uh, so that was one really good thing about the pandemic for me. And so the Continental Drifter is really uh, me sharing my experiences around the world and uh, helping mostly Gen X and baby boomer travelers, which are the people that come on my trip. So let's say 40 plus years old. Um, and I'm one of those people. So, uh, you know, uh, so most of my clients are too. And the channel is meant to inspire them to get out and travel uh, show them the experiences I've had with people, food, uh, activities that I do, things like that, and just sharing that and trying to inspire them to get out and travel as well. Right. Excellent. Uh, well, and, and I've, you know, I alluded to my little trip in Portugal and Spain earlier. Uh, that experience to me was absolutely wonderful. So I would be a prime fan of the type of tours that you put on because I, I so enjoyed the rural areas of those two countries and mm -hmm. you know having the uh, pilgrim meals in little traditional cafes and uh, in the town squares to me it was yeah. absolute magic I really really enjoyed that as did most yeah. of the people I spoke to fellow pilgrims from North America and other places uh, yeah, their eyes, were, eyes were opened yeah we, uh, we you had asked about hiking earlier and uh, certainly try to do some hiking, uh, you know, very light hiking, but uh, we did a, a very small section of the Camino del Norte in mm -hmm. uh, just outside of uh, Guitaria, Spain in the yep. Basque country. And that's an offshoot of the main Camino. But sure. uh, th there's 2000 year old Roman stones that are still there from back yes. then that you're able to 
balk upon and just marvel at at the whole idea of it all. But uh, on this trip, we had a few hikes around some uh, some. Uh, we went to a cacao and a coffee farm here in the coffee mm-hmm. region of Colombia, and so that was really nice. And uh, but uh, you know, my travelers tend to be like I said that forty plus, uh, pretty active, but uh, they have the time and the interest in in doing these kinds of uh, this kind of travel where there's. Uh, typically a skill to live to learn which it could be mm-hmm. photography or it might be cultural or language those kinds of things so it works really well and uh, i'm heading to porto and the dodo valley in about a month with yep. the group. and so that's uh, one of my favorite places in the world so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it oh lovely lovely so you you've already mentioned what part of the answer for the question I'm going to ask you, Nick, why, why should the business executives or, or even business, just business owners of businesses take time off and go on a trip like the ones you were talking about? What's the advantage to them? Well, certainly uh, sort of uh, getting a reset on life. Uh, you know, we, we run these businesses and they can be pretty demanding. And so getting, uh, having a change of venue, <laughs> Uh, so to speak, uh, getting out of your comfort zone, perhaps, and uh, just getting away from that everyday grind, I think is uh, nothing but healthy. And so um, the other thing that I like about my trips and any trip with other people is that uh, there's a lot of networking. People on my trips become excellent friends. Uh, I mentioned that nine out of 10 had traveled with me before on this Columbia trip. And uh, five or six had traveled with each other on three or more trips. So everyone knows each other from different trips and they become friends. Uh, they have certainly become my friends. So I, they're more, it's more like I'm traveling with friends than, uh, than clients. But the thing about organized travel, whether you know, it's with me or anyone else, is that you've got someone else to, to lay the groundwork. And pretty much people just show up. And I tell you again where the, you know, when to fly in and out because people are coming from all over the world or different cities and they want to use different airlines or mm-hmm. miles or go business class, whatever. Um, but the idea that uh, we plan everything out so people just show up and I get that comment all the time that, uh, you know, some some people enjoy the act of putting together a trip. Mm-hmm, and, sure. Uh, and and that's fine, but man, when you can just show up and know, um, at least if you've been with me before, because my trips run pretty pretty uh, like a well-oiled machine. And my clients, that's why they keep coming back, because they know I've got a great trip that's varied. Uh, that you know, you're going to meet a lot of different people. We're going to do olive oil tasting. I I incorporate the food into all of our trips. There might be cooking classes or demonstrations market walks, olive oil taste, wine tasting. Uh, let's go see how they make the local cheese, meet that local artist, anything like that. To me, that's uh, the cultural parts of travel. Mm-hmm. And I've got those connections, uh, mostly through my local tour operators that I work with. Um, but I go scout every trip in advance and I make these connections. I meet these people. And then I love nothing more than to bring my groups to have those same experiences, meet those same amazing people. And uh, 
they, it seems to be working. I've been doing this now for 15 years, over 120 trips. So wow, I'm doing wow. something right. <laughs> yeah, you're so, doing something right. That's for sure. From your experience of running multiple businesses, is there one tip you can give to our audience to help them manage their business more effectively? Uh, very much in general, um, I became very aware of the importance of setting expectations, mm-hmm. especially with travel like this. And I'm sure that can be woven into any type of business, but letting people know, let's say, how much photography there is or isn't going to be, the types of hotels, the level of hotels that we're going to stay at, the types of guides that we might have, the experiences that they can look forward to. Uh, Because I don't want someone coming on a trip expecting a photo workshop, which, like I said, is 12 hours a day, sunrises, sunsets, image reviews, et cetera, uh, and then come on my trip and not get that. Mm -hmm. So I'm very upfront with setting expectations and letting people know what they're in for. And then if it's not for them, they filter themselves out. Mm -hmm. And if they do come on a trip, they know what they're in for and uh, should should be happy because you know I told them in advance what to expect. Right. 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 So, Ralph, you've done 120 trips, so you've you've met an awful lot of people over the 15 years you've been doing this business, and you were a restaurateur before, and you've travelled extensively. So you've met a lot of people, a lot more than the average person, I would guess. If you if you think about all those people you met, do you believe there's one habit or, or characteristic or mindset that sets the successful ones apart from the average who can't afford to go on your trips, right? And I don't just mean making a lot of money. I mean people who live well-balanced lives but obviously um, are pretty well off. Is there something simple or is it more complicated than that? You know, I, I think it you can – boil things down to very simple. When I'm traveling, it's about meeting the local people. Uh, To me, that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, just because I'm here in Columbia right now, and I've got this immediate experience, the people here are so friendly and so open and, you know, hey, have a great trip. Enjoy your time here in my country. I hope you're enjoying my country. And it's so wonderful. And, the, and I think people are like that around the world. Um, you know, we, we tend to hear only the bad parts of sure. a lot of the places that we go to, especially Colombia. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, they'll be the first to admit that obviously during the eighties and nineties, there was a real dark period here, but they are absolutely emerging from that. Their tourism industry is uh, I'm, I'm guessing better than ever. Uh, they're very proud of uh, the current situation. They're not necessarily proud of the past, but they embrace it. They don't hide it. Uh, they answer all our questions about it. And, and so it's very important. Um, so, um, you know, I, I getting to know the local people wherever you are, I think is extremely important, whatever endeavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very great. Very good. Yeah, very good. And I, you know, again, going back to my trip, I found that the the people that I met on that uh, pilgrimage in the small little villages and towns, they were so friendly and it was so laid back. You know, they would have the siesta and then in the evening they'd all 
congregate in the square in the center of the village and drink wine and kids were running around and dogs were running around and there was no police, there were no cars, there were no, no headaches. It it looked like a, an idyllic sort of life that they were living. So, yeah, you're right yeah. on that one. Yeah, and you realize that uh, I think uh, around the world they teach us to relax, to enjoy today, to yep. live for today. And so that's, I think, a really important thing that, uh, we, at least in the U.S., I'm sure to a degree in Canada, uh, you know, we're just constantly go, go, go. Absolutely. And we forget to live for today and we're constantly thinking about tomorrow. And number one, tomorrow never comes. And next thing you know, you know, 30 years have gone by and I've, yeah. I've been in a situation. Yeah. And so yeah. just from my own travels through Ireland, hiking through Ireland, it's the same way. It's just people are just seems to be so much more relaxed than we are here in North America and, and very social, you know, they always after, after work, get together for a pint <laughs> and the music. Oh, yes. Oh. Anyways, uh, get back to you, Ralph. Can you tell our audience how they can, how people can reach you, how they contact you? Sure. So I've got two websites, uh, actually three websites. I'm bringing them into one. So bear uh-huh. with me. Okay. I realize it's a bit confusing, but I, I do have uh, photoenrichment.com. You can find all my trips listed there, uh, but the Alacampania trips link to the alacampania.com website, which has right now just four trips, Portugal, Spain, Italy, and France. So those are the Alacampania trips. But I plan in the next uh, few months to bring everything under under continentaldrifter.co. And so everything will Uh be there. Uh, I realize I've been sort of confusing people, but I kind of wanted to make it uh, a slow transition rather than just all of a sudden you know they they don't know where to find me so but it's been a bit confusing i'll admit so uh continentaldrifter.co will be the main place is that live now it's live yep it's It's live live. okay oh yeah okay on any of the social media outlets at ralph velasco at photo enrichment uh, at the Continental Drifter on Facebook is the Facebook group there. Okay. But uh, yeah, so uh, you could Google and find me anywhere. And if anyone wanted to reach out, my email is ralph at photoenrichment.com. Jolly good. We'll put all that in the descriptions. And just a reminder as well that your YouTube channel, which has got a lot of good videos on it, is called the Continental Drifter, correct? That's right. YouTube.com slash Continental Drifter. Great. Okay, we'll give all that. And for our audio listeners, if you can't see captions, of course, it's all it will all be in the descriptions. Thanks, Ralph. And while I've got the floor, a very quick message to our audience. We've had another really interesting guest for you today. We've got more coming up every week. So if you want to make sure you don't miss them, hop onto our website, theyackingshow.com, sign up for our newsletter, and every week you'll be told who's coming on the show. That's it from me. Over to Kathleen. 
Well, thank you so much, Ralph, for for being on the show today. And thank you all for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to visit our website at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form and we would love to hear from you. And if there's any topics that you would like us to cover, please let us know in the comments. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.